Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Coffee and Books. I am your host, Scott. I hope all of you are doing well. Thank you to all the new listeners out there and thank you again for sharing this podcast and getting it out there to everyone as quickly as possible. Remember also that any ratings that you give me on Apple or Spotify is greatly appreciated. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at scottbernstein16 at yahoo.com. Again, that is scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16 at yahoo.com. Okay, with that, let's begin. All right, so I have finally reached the conclusion of my three-part story on lies my teacher told me. And I want to get into a little bit more about this topic, uh, but before I kind of go any further, I just want to say, if you do want to listen to the other two episodes about this topic, I do recommend it. Um, This is a sort of deal where you're going to need to know more information, Uh, but this final chapter concludes why teachers teach history the way they do in American high schools, and most importantly, what can be done about it. All right, so let's continue in part three. So now we're going to get into the modern sort of age, the 20th century. Um, All of our previous chapters about American history, you know, follow everything from before the United States was founded through George Washington to the Civil War to Reconstructionist era. Now we're actually in the 20th century. And I just want to say most history classes tend to end at rather a strange point in time, which is typically mid-20th century or typically before or up until the 50s to the 70s. This book was written in 2007, I believe, so... It's a little bit dated for its time, but the idea that I'm basically getting at is a lot of history books tend to end with either the Korean War or the Vietnam War and don't really go any further than the 70s. And they kind of gloss over the more modern history that we sort of are expected to know. Uh, Things like the presidents and, uh, you know, are typically taught in school, but mainly you don't have a lot of information. For instance, the Iran-Contra scandal, or maybe you did not know about the war between Iraq and, you know, Iran, or maybe you didn't know about, you know, many different aspects of history. Maybe you didn't hear about the AIDS crisis, or maybe you didn't hear about, uh, you know, what was going on with the Bush and Clinton administrations. My point is that you would typically, in most history books, not get to the end of the book if it was taught by a teacher, even if the book did cover up until the elections of more modern presidents, or even today, I'm sure you might get a little glimpse of you know, the history that was made when Barack Obama was made president, but you wouldn't really cover it. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the Vietnam War. So the USA and the South Vietnamese committed many, many, many atrocities. So many high school books edited these sort of history and images to appear less and less in people's memories. I find this very interesting. It's a time when, you know, in our textbooks, you know, we'd like to talk about the Vietnam War and we'd like to talk about why we got involved in it, which typically is, hey, we were defending the world against communists aggression, and there's reasons why we got into this war, but most Americans today, when surveyed, agreed that the Vietnam War was a mistake, and more importantly, the Vietnam War was a failure, and the failure to acknowledge this in, um, you know, high school classes and history is very problematic indeed. 
this can, I mean, this topic, the 60s, an entire decade in itself, which was very explosive and has a lot of history to it. You know, Vietnam can bring up a lot of important issues today. Uh, you know, you have to think about in modern day terms, this would be a great example. When many people are surveyed, many people believe, according to this book, there's a, a, a graphic table at the end where it specifically states, when surveyed, what do Americans think of the Vietnam War? Do people think more people were for or against the war? Were they pro-peace or pro-dove or were they hawkish or pro-war? And it turns out, and a stunning surprise that I think many people would agree, that if you are more educated, you are more hawkish. You tend to believe in more of the system that enabled it in the first place, which is a bit of a surprise. I always thought of people who were more educated as being more pro-dove, pro-peaceful, as they should know better. And people who were pro-hawk might be people who worked in the military, who might be from a more background that is involved with war. Um, a lot of the time, the military is the option for lower or middle-class Americans. And there was also the draft that was instituted. So my point is that there's this idea in our heads that if you were educated or you went to college, you are more likely to be pro-dove. That has been, in fact, been proven to be a lie. And this table at the end of this book shows lies my history teacher told me. It shows for fact that the more educated you are, i.e. the more education you have, the more likely you are to be more pro-system or pro-government or pro-what was happening in place. And so the idea, I guess, that I'm trying to say is that a lot of the reasons why modern history is not mentioned in these books is because we don't want to offend anyone. People who are alive from Vietnam are still around. People who remember it. So that's a big factor. People who were alive you know, don't want to necessarily be offended. <laughs> you know, a lot of these types of course books that are edited and revised are typically revised because many people feel uncomfortable by the fact that we have an uncomfortable history. And therefore, we shouldn't, you know, tell children about this. We should shield them from what we actually did, even though that's very dangerous. There's a lot of famous photographs I'm sure you could look up about Vietnam, but the idea is that less and less and the more and further we go from that Vietnam standpoint to modern history in our high schools, we're less likely to talk about it and why we were involved in Vietnam. Okay, so many people who opposed the war are very famous. Uh, obviously, a lot of these were African Americans, and it was, in fact, during the Civil Rights Movement. Famously, Martin Luther King Jr., Muhammad Ali opposed the war. And, of course, many celebrities, they have sung about it in songs. You can do all that research on your own. The point is, is that there were people who were very against anti-Vietnam, or they were anti-war. And that is very important, as we shall see in the future. So, history is often viewed in terms of today. And this is a very important piece of the final chapters. A great example would be how you view the Reconstructionist era. If you were being taught in high school in the South in the 1930s or any time between, let's say, 1890 to uh, the 1960s, you were less likely to receive the correct information about the true U.S. history involvement in the Civil War, let alone what happened after it. As I've mentioned in my previous podcast on the Lies My Teacher Told Me Part 2, um, there were people who were African-Americans immediately following the Civil War, who 
were elected to office, and this history was wiped from the textbooks. Um, my point is that if you were learning in that time period, in the 1930s, you were not going to receive that information. Why? Well, because at that time period, our society reflected that it was not important, which is a sad fact. Uh, you know, the truth is often distorted, distorted, I can't talk, the truth is often distorted by the victors or by the people who are in charge. They only talk about what they want to talk about. This is why topics like religion, sex, anything controversial is dropped from education. A great example of history that I like to give in Tennessee is the Scopes trial, which was a very famous case that, you know, was a, t a science teacher teaching evolution was brought up on criminal charges in the state of Tennessee. This is something that I did not learn until I moved to Tennessee, but it is a very important, you know, example. Like, he, everything is viewed in context of where you're from. So if I'm from Missouri, which is where I grew up, I'm going to learn more specifically about Missouri's history than I am going to learn about the nation's history. And the same is true for Tennessee, and the same is true for anywhere in the U.S. You're going to learn most history by where you're from. So where you're born and your social class and your background when you go to school is going to determine a lot of what you learn. And so I just thought that that was a very big deal. Oh, hold on just a second here. I have a cat who wants to go back out. All right. So my point is that we finally get to the end of the book where we're discussing all the problems. Primarily, like I mentioned, you know, anything that's modern, uh, you know, the 9-11 attacks, the, uh, you know, modern-day Wall Street, you know, 2008 financial crisis, the housing market. These things are not mentioned in history books, you know. Partly, for me, that would be because I was growing up with it at the time, and when we were talking about those things in school... I was not talking about it because it was actually happening. But my point is that someone who's learning history now should be building the blocks from this is what happened in the history of our country that's leading it to its present day current state. This is how we got here. And most American high school students are not able to do this, unfortunately. They're just given mindless facts because it's boring. Um, Besides the fact that, you know, a lot of teachers work a, lot, a large portion of the time and hours and might be teaching multiple subjects, history is a very, very difficult topic to unteach. Um, many people don't want to believe in the fact that their heroes are often people who committed atrocities as well. Uh, so that's definitely a cognitive dissonance thing that, you know, white Americans or Caucasians have in the United States. Uh, like I said, we're very Eurocentric, so we tend to think of, you know, events happening from European and American perspectives and not what was happening in other countries. Um, we often don't want to talk about controversy, and perhaps besides the fact that teachers don't have enough time, aren't paid enough, and, you know, they have to rely on these books that are published and that haven't been changed in a very, very long time, perhaps even edited in 50 years or so. So you have to ask yourself, why is this? Why are our books not being edited? And the main reason is that the main publishers of textbooks are often located in Texas and in California. And since these are the largest uh, groups of, or largest states are the largest uh, purchasers of textbooks, it tends to be whatever that state does is the status quo. Uh, my state, 
Tennessee tends to follow whatever Texas does. If Texas buys books, they just say that's the curriculum is good enough for us. We're just going to stick with it. Other states, based on where you live, for instance, Mississippi, are highly selective of what books they allow to be taught in school, in particular in history and education. So again, where you're from determines what history you might learn. And uh, lastly, we can blame the parents. A lot of parents like to coddle their kids and don't like to tell them anything bad. If you've ever read, for instance, To Kill a Mockingbird, um, a very famous book, it's most recently been discussed as a book that maybe should be dropped from educational curriculums, even though it's a very good book. Why should they do that? Well, people think it makes people uncomfortable. But just because topics like the Holocaust, uh, like racism like the fact that we've made mistakes in the past, doesn't mean that we shouldn't discuss them. It means that we should discuss them more and into context how that's relevant today. Perhaps the biggest reason why people struggle with history is how they fail to relate to see how it relates to them. And perhaps the best way to explain it is if you are a different group or background, if you're not a white male, you typically have a very hard time relating to uh, American history. If you were indigenous african-american or asian you don't or you're not often or even a woman you're not often talked about enough in history and that's a big problem we tend to ignore the people who are the real heroes and we tend to focus on the people who are just maybe in charge so that's my rant about that and uh like i said i definitely felt like this book was good but now we're going to talk about what i actually felt about everything now that we've gotten to the end now that we've gotten to the publishers and how they hire writers to kind of very, very rarely edit the book, we're going to get into now the most important part, which is what I actually thought of this book. All right. I have a bit of a confession to make. When I bought this book, I thought it was just going to point out facts of history that I did not know or that outright lies like the Columbus voyage were, you know, twisted to make American history look better. Uh, the reality is, is this book is a prime example of what I like to call bashing another topic. This author, who, again, I, I like history, so I, I enjoy reading books about this. This author uh, primarily slams the education industry. And he himself, I believe, is a professor as well. But my point is that <laughs> I don't want to read an entire book about how bad the state of our educational system is. I wanted to read a book about the state of history that we don't talk about. Um, and why. And he does go into those topics, but again, I felt like the majority of this book was, this is a terrible thing that we're not teaching our children, and it's terrible that we're not teaching our children. And did you know it's terrible we're not teaching our children this? Yes, I agree, it is terrible. And there are many factors as to why it's terrible. But again, I don't want to hear necessarily about, well, you know, there was nothing being done about it. Um, or maybe we struggled with, uh, you know, editing books because uh, we didn't want to challenge the status quo. I understand those things, but again, I was not expecting a book to just rally against just the textbook publishers. Um, I really think that <laughs> there's a lot of people to blame for the current uh, system and, and education, and to say it's entirely a textbook publisher's fault is sort of, in my opinion, a little naive, because I do believe that the teachers as well as the students, as well as the, you know, high school curriculum or principal, as well as, you know, the publishers, as well as the parents on committees need to be more open-minded to the fact that we have controversies 
in our society today. And maybe, perhaps, just maybe, if we discuss those controversies in textbooks, if the, it's not necessarily, like I said, just the publisher's fault, but if we just take a look back and say, hey, we should talk about our you know, issues with our kids and say, you know, we don't have a great answer for why the things are the way they are, but this is what happened and you should know why it happened, that's important. And I agree with that 100%. History should always be told in the, not the most flattering terms, but history should be told as accurately as possible. So that way you can question and learn and grow from it as a human being. But maybe, just maybe, the reason why things are the way they are is because we don't want people to question the system. We want people to just blindly accept patriotism and say that, you know, the United States is great as a country. Which, you know, it has a lot of redeeming good qualities about it that I love. But at the end of the day, we're doing a terrible job of educating our kids and telling them why they should think for themselves. And most importantly, we're alienating the people who need it the most. Thank you. That is my TED Talk. Just kidding. Um, But yeah, I gave this book a three out of five. Uh, So I kind of changed my rating a little bit, but I felt like, like I said, it was good. It had facts. It had an interesting quality. But like I said, it kind of drones on a little too long. You know, just about how bad the state of the educational industry is. Um, But anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed what I talked about, please again share it with a friend. And thank you for listening. And uh, thanks for listening to part three uh, in my conclusion of Lies My Teacher Told Me.